Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here, recording live from Pax A Beyond 2023 in Denver, Colorado. Another street interview. And I just saw this lady walking by and said, Hey, I think you need to come sit at the booth. And uh, she'll be on the podcast uh, a time or two here. Michelle Accardi from Lion Guard. Thanks for having me on. Nice to meet you in person. It's great to meet you in person. <laughs> We've done a couple of Zoom calls and, you know, swung by there. So very nice to have you here. Um, let me first ask you, we'll just start with the easy question. Uh, what do you think about uh, Pact 8's event? I think, think this show has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was at IT Secure last week. Okay. And I thought that was a great event as well. But I'll give you the measure. Um, I was at IT Secure last week, and I think we got about 111 booth scans across uh, the couple days that we had an open booth. And we did 97 booth scans, or actually, when I, I thought it was 97 when I left last night. And ultimately, my team I got it all the way to 115 in less than three hours. Wow. So. Uh, again, we'll we'll see what next to being uh, real business, but just in terms of good quality conversations and volume, it was here at Pax 8's Beyond Event. Now, let me ask the horrible question. Do you think some of those scans were because of your swag? Um, frankly, no. There was some better. <laughs> I, I think our swag is good, but there was some really incredible swag on the floor that I'm going to covet and uh, maybe... Uh, Try to try to build into Lion Guard's future oh, swag. You know what? I, <laughs> listen, I will encourage that. So when I get back to uh, to the office, because you know I do a swag run, I go yeah. around and grab every swag, and I will evaluate who had the best swag. So uh, I, I don't want to say where you guys are. You you might want to listen. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to listen. To, we, uh, uh, my my husband would say that our swag uh, we, this time around we have little guns that little make little noises like that he would call them bathtub toys for my twins when we get home. I was going to say little little Star Trek <laughs> phaser replicas. Yes, those are those are the the uh, and uh, and we have great slinkies and yep. t- the Lion Guard t-shirts are the absolute best. So I want to say that the baseball tees that we have. I don't think I've seen a better T-shirt on the on the floor. You had two T-shirts, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure because I <laughs> got to keep my mental notes. But I like here. the baseball one, just to be very clear. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get too far along, let's at least let listeners know who may not know who Lion Guard is and what you do, and get that out of the way. Absolutely. So Lion Guard is the leader in configuration change detection and response. So we help. MSPs and enterprises be able to see what is changing in their environment. Uh, Obviously, technology and operational changes are happening every day in companies. And you think about the surface area that every change creates in terms of risk. Um, And so we help them with their IT governance uh, to enable, again, better risk mitigation through configuration, change detection, and response. All right, so full disclosure here, I've not looked at your product because I feel that I had a product that's done all that for me, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what types of changes are we talking about? Are we talking about just simply like username changes, password changes, group policy changes? Does it go beyond that? All of those things. So we do it from the cloud, so all of those uh, privileged user, all the way down to your endpoints. 
and what's changing in terms of the OSs, uh, what's happened to, to there was a zero day threat announced today with, uh, with FortiGate, I believe. And ultimately, the ability for you within seconds to see which customers you have that are affected by that so you can go and essentially be able to respond to that. And all of that is integrated, again, into the multiple PSAs and document management systems that are there. The other thing that LionGuard does that there are not very many solutions out there that can compete with, from my perspective, is automate documentation, which is the first part of IT governance. So uh, if, you don't, if you don't have documentation that's there uh, and continuously updated and let's let's face it i i mean having run a large msp i can tell you technicians don't always love to uh you know update their documentation so having this done automatically as the first part uh is i think a critical step and then being able to have a timeline that you can rewind back to if something has gone wrong to see what a good configuration state look like i that's gold <laughs> All right, so you have just convinced me to go back to your booth and raise the scan number. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and uh, see what we can do here. So, and I'm going to have to have you on a separate show just to talk about that because, uh, one, like I said, there's a lot of vendors. And us MSPs, and you were an MSP, you know, we kind of guard our stack. I don't want to change. I don't want to be called. But sometimes you got to. And- yeah, absolutely. I think this is something that's worthwhile to take a look at. We are also probably one of the most integrated solutions that's here in the channel community. Um, we're sold by PAX 8 as well as, uh, you know, directly through to MSPs. And there's a reason for that. That's because they understand the value that LionGuard can provide. Uh, so we'd love to show you. And, you know, we, we are uh, great at doing POCs and really helping you see the value um, before making you, you know, make the investment. Okay. All right. So let's go back a little bit. Sure. You were an MSP. Yes. Tell us about those days. How long ago was that? And, uh, yeah, what, so what? I, I left my MSP in, in uh, January of this year. Uh, so it was very recent. That's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, what made you, I'm going to say it, what made you jump over to the dark side? So, frankly, I had grown up on the dark side. <laughs> okay. um, I was 17 years at CA Technologies um, in, in a number of different roles over the course of my career and then went over to a company called Star to Star Communications, yep, which no was a channel-focused um, uh, unified communications yep, yep, as a UCC. service company and had a great run there, ultimately left um, in 21 when we sold the company to Sangoma. Uh, and was a great exit. Uh, ultimately, I felt it was time for me to take my next step into being a CEO, and I had been on the board of this uh, MSP and got the opportunity to step into the CEO role. But there was so much I learned from that experience. Um, you know, I had I had all this experience of being a software vendor right. all over all the years. And software, you know, you're valued on your growth. Um, now, profitable growth is important, yeah. but it's you know growth is the is the number one thing you get you uh you get valued on when you're an msp you're valued very highly on your ebitda and your profitability and so that was a different motion for me frankly i mean i'd always had 
profitability in my, uh, you know, in in the recipe, but it wasn't, you know, it's a different formula. Yeah, it's a much, d- different, much formula. different formula. And so for me, you know, I've always been a growth builder, um, and I think that that's where my strength is. And I had put in place a really great executive team that I felt really confident could bring uh, that company to the next level. And it was just, I wanted to get back to doing what I feel like I do best. All right. And here you are at Lion Guard. And like I said, I'm going to have, I'm going to get you on a bunch of shows. Oh, great. So, <laughs> we'll have fun. <laughs> we will have fun. Uh, so let me just take this time to say thank you for stopping by and being willing to hop on uh, the podcast here with no notes, no script. But it's it was easy, great. right? Yeah, it is. Great conversation. All right. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to it. And uh, I, I don't know how much time I have to get back to your booth. But if I don't make it there, just yeah, remember. We will. Mark uh, me down. We'll definitely. I know how to get in contact with you. <laughs> All right, folks. Michelle Licardi from Lion Guard. Thank you very much. And uh, back to the grind. And we'll be back soon with another uh, interview from the streets. Holla. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with what may be the final interview here from Radio Row at PAX 8 Beyond's 2023 conference. And it has been a fantastic event. And I am joined by what I'm going to say could be the most interesting speaker that we've had on stage because there have been some great announcements here at the event. And who better to answer them? And Pax 8's Chief Technology Officer. I'm talking about Scott Chasen in the house. Scott, how are you? I'm good, Marv. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Um, obviously, I can't give you an intro as good as the one that Nick gave this morning on stage. Um, the question I wanted to ask you first is, how does that, something like that make you feel when you're sitting backstage listening to all those accolades? Ah, you know, I, it's Nick is, Nick Hetty is, uh, Wonderful hype man. Uh, he's, you know, uh, Pax 8's uh, chief commercial officer. And, uh, you know, he's, he's great. Uh, and, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so my bio is somewhat interesting to other people. I, I guess I find it a little bit, uh, a little bit just, I don't know, too, too, too boring for me uh, just because it's I don't know. It just it sounds so much better coming from Nick than it would from me. <laughs> Is it because it's you just do what you do? It's and... you know that's exactly right. I mean, I from my entire my entire career, I've always just followed my passion, and it never it, it never felt like I was building a bio or you know um, filling out you know um, accolades you know on my LinkedIn profile or something. Right? I mean, it was just. <laughs> It was, it was always just doing what I, I, I love. And, right. You know, what I love is technology, and I love to build things, and, you know, that's both product and teams and companies, and, yeah, I don't know. So I used to liken it to when you get your high school yearbook, yeah. and they put all of the things that you accomplished in, you know, years 10, 11, and 12, yeah. and you always look to see how long yours is compared to the other yeah. people. Uh, I think that's what people do when they look at yours, and it's it's awfully long yeah. with a, a very storied uh, and proud history, I think. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to have been one of the early pioneers uh, in cybersecurity, 
in internet collaboration, uh, in you know, really now, um, uh, cloud marketplaces, yeah. and you know, it's just again, it's been a um, following my passion and doing what I love, and that again is to build amazing product and amazing team. Well, let me ask you this, and it's kind of a side question, so I apologize if it sounds a little weird, but it sounds like this may have been the first job where somebody actually had to convince you to come do. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, 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 uh, the, th- the interesting thing about PAX A um, is that, you know, when, when I first met Nick, uh, you know, I... Uh, it was interesting because I had already known John, right? Obviously, John Street and myself, we go back to, I think I met John uh, when I was uh, 20, 22, 23 years old. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm 51 now. I wasn't going to ask. And, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, John and I, we've, we've done a, a, a few startups together. And so I, I had, a, obviously, an intimate, you know, familiarity with John. Nick, uh, on the other hand, John... Know, um, told me about Nick fairly early on in the life of Pax Eight, and so you know Nick is he's a guy that can climb any mountain, and you know he, he set his sights on me, and yeah, I mean he really he went hardcore in in the seduction routine, uh, and you know I I, I uh, you know I got to admit um, I wasn't completely intimate with the MSP ecosystem uh, when. Uh, I first started talking with Nick and John. Obviously, I had been following the success of Pax Eight um, from its early days, um, and even before Pax Eight. You know, a lot of the, I guess, the early, you know, um, go-to-market motions of Pax Eight were really formed at MX Logic, okay, uh, which is a company that John Street and I co-founded yeah. together, and that. that- <laughs> I would just say that's the one that I knew you best yeah. from yeah. Um, in terms of that, maybe because of the name McAfee yeah. and, the, and all of that. Um, but the journey that you've taken uh, sounds like you know, a fascinating one for sure. But let me ask you, since being here, and you've been here, what, two years now? Two and a half years. Two and a half years now. Um, is this something where... The announcement today of the Pax 8 marketplace yes. and stuff, is this something that, did it take you, you know, a long time to, to, to form that vision you when know, you got here? Yeah, I, um, so, I mean, it, it kind of went down like this. I was really just so impressed with what John Street and Ryan Walsh and Klaus Dimmler built with Pax 8. And... Really, what they built was this amazing community of MSPs, and you know, I I am a, a, a product guy. So when um, I first got the the real deep dive on what they were up to, and and that really happened when I joined. I mean, my first question was, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? You know, um, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a product guy, right? You know, um, so you know. What is the product? Because you have this amazing support engine, this amazing enablement engine, but, you know, where's the product? And so, you know, it took some time 
to get that alignment from all of the, the founders and the, the executives at PAX 8 to answer that question. Yeah. You know, what do you want to be you know, in five years? What's that yeah. roadmap in 10 years even? Yeah. Do you think some of that had to do with the fact that even though they thought they had a name for themselves in terms of you know, the PAX 8 cloud marketplace, they, they allowed for people to name them? I think that, you know, anytime you're pioneering new markets, there's a level of complexity and a level of education. And, you know, it, it was really, I think, about, you know, how do you, how do you take this very complex ecosystem of ecosystems, right? I mean, it's a three-sided marketplace when you think about it. Right. I mean, the, the, in, in the vision is, is really, you know, we, you know, one of simplifying the complexity down to a basic Venn diagram where top bubble, you have the managed service provider. The bottom left, you've got the cloud vendor. The bottom right, the small business or the SMB. Pax8 sits in the middle of that Venn diagram, providing value to all three of those constituents. So, I mean, trying to... And this is something that I've always done in my career, which is to take the complex and break it down to its basic core uh, values. And that was one of the things that, you know, really kind of opened up the imagination, you know, once we had that just simplified view of the world, we're able to kind of open it up and then layer on some of the future roadmap and imagination uh, on how to really create a three-sided marketplace where every constituent um, was a win in terms of value delivery. Okay. So let me ask this question. Uh, once that diagram came into yeah. focus, yes. was it something that you had the vision and then had to help the others see it? Because I've always understood you know, your journey along the way is you see things before others do. I, you know, I've been pretty... I've been pretty, you know, yeah, lucky, lucky, yes, good timing, yes, but I've also just been able to see the gaps, and it's, um, it's like you're, you're, you put yourself out into the future, and then you, you turn around, and you look back, mm. see, see what's missing, and so I've always been able to do that with markets, and with technology, and, and, and with product sets, and so, yeah, I was, I was kind of able to you know, dive into the complexities of, of this ecosystem and just do that. Go further out into the future, turn around, and then look back at where we were and then fill in the blank. And, that, and that's something that, yeah, I've, I've done in my career time and time again. Um, so, yeah. All right. So you mentioned the future, so I'm going to have to say it. Okay. It was mentioned that a DeLorean has been spotted in your garage. <laughs> Do you have the almanac that Marty brought back from the future? I cannot tell you that, uh, whether I do or I, I, I do not. Okay. All right. That would, that would disrupt the space-time continuum. Uh, Pax 8 is all about disruption, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Good point, Marv. Uh, so let me ask you this, because it's been interesting. Um, I came in on Sunday, was a part of the, the press briefing, and got a little bit of information ahead yeah. of time before the announcement was made. Of course, other MSPs that I know are like, dude, can you, can you explain to us what's yeah. going on? I'm like, no, I can't. And I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> so now that the announcement is made, yes. people are still coming to me going, do you think this will work? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know. But 
I'll, I'll ask Scott when I see him. Yeah. So I guess the first thing is, now you, you mentioned the Venn diagram. Yes. And it sounds simple. Yes. You know, you've got the three-sided tier. You've yes. got Pat Tate in the middle. Yep. But I guess the logistics of it all. Yeah. The MSPs are like, how does it really work for us? Yeah, I mean, so it is a lot more complex, right? And when you start to really peel the layers back, um, I, I think the picture becomes a little bit more clear. And you've got to start with the tailwinds, right? What's really driving each of those three segments? So let's talk about the MSP first. And, you know, for partners, especially partners in our ecosystem, you know, they're, they're really involved heavy in the tech. And they're really, really good at managing their clients. But they run off of scarcity, right? Okay. I mean, there's some real challenges know, in terms of resources and scarcity and scale, especially on the go-to-market side, yeah. right? And so, you know, we recognize that, you know, pretty early on. In fact, you know, on that point, I was, I, I was just uh, browsing Reddit the other day. It was last week. and I You was, browse Reddit, huh? I, Oh, yeah. And I was in the MSP subreddit, and I saw this interesting thread. Somebody, somebody asked the question, if you were to do it all over again, Day, what would you do different? Okay. Somebody said, focus less on the tech and more on sales. And I thought that was an interesting insight. And I think it's a common insight among partners um, because the tech really pulls us in. And the go-to-market is oftentimes, you know, do you want fries with that? It's the afterthought, right? right. And so when I talk about MSPs in terms of the tailwinds, you know, it's really about, you know, how do, we, how do we give them more with less, right? And especially around customer acquisition. So that's the MSP. Then you go into the SMB or the small business. Um, small businesses run on cloud. I mean, and we're experiencing an all-time high around small business inception. Yeah. Um, and so the demand is there, yet... What we're seeing is the B2C buying behavior bleed into the B2B space. What I mean by that is you know, we as consumers love the app store model, right? Yep. We love the self-discovery, the self-trial, the self-purchase. And so that's a, that's a real thing that I believe is going to infiltrate how B2B SaaS software uh, acquired. And so that's another interesting tailwind that you have to look at. And then lastly, you've got the vendor. And, you know, SaaS vendors, cloud providers, you know, they typically, generally, at least the large ones, they start off with targeting the enterprise. And SMB and small businesses are generally an afterthought. That's why you see a lot of, let's say, smaller SaaS companies that just focus on the channel or the MSPs themselves, right. um, because the larger ones, let's face it, they're late to the game. And a lot of the motion that you're seeing now from the larger vendors is somewhat related to the macroeconomic condition. So as those large enterprise budgets start to dry up, they want to come downstream to the SMB. But the cost of acquiring a customer is really expensive. And they don't know how to build the channel um, outside of one partner at a time. And they can't modify what they have That's to match the channel. Great point, Marv. Yeah. And so it's really difficult. 
in terms of scale, both in support and service delivery. And some of them really don't even have true multi-tenancy. So, you know, obviously that's a, a, a prohibitor in terms of even reaching the market. So when you look at those three tailwinds, you know, there's lots of opportunity in there. And you can overlay those tailwinds on top of that Venn diagram. And that's where Pax8 comes in and tries to deliver value. So on the partner side, it's all about enablement, community, building the ecosystem, and becoming the customer and consumption engine. So the customer acquisition and consumption engine for the partner. For the vendor, it's all about enabling them to come downstream, to be able to handle all of their go-to-market motions for SMB, right, right. through our marketplace. And obviously, for the small, the small business, it's about being able to serve them up the demand however they want it. They want a storefront where they can be self-serviced, but yet guided by their MSP. Right. So a lot of this is based off of the, the number two fear that we as MSPs have that, you know, our clients are going to go straight to vendor. Yeah. So I could see where Pax8 creating a marketplace to, you know, be able to drive that traffic back to the MSP market would be a, a differentiator. Has anybody asked you, and I'm, I'm going to guess they have, but I'm going to pretend like, it hasn't, because yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, has anybody asked you about what if those vendors aren't in the PAX 8 marketplace? Yeah. I mean, you had vendors here that aren't on the line card. Yep. But, you know, how can we, you know, gain traction with vendors if they're not as yeah. part of that marketplace? So, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we've, we've built an incredible partner ecosystem, almost 30,000 partners. And that's a, a very special carrot to a lot of vendors, right? They want that reach. Right. Um, yes, we don't have all of the vendors in the world or ISVs on our platform. We get that. Um, but we do believe they are very attracted to what we've built um, because of that reach. So we think that we you know, have a very healthy um, capability around bringing these vendors in and making sure that they match the demands and the needs of our MSPs and their customers. And we're never going to lose that. So we do a lot of, you know, careful selection of who we bring into the marketplace. Okay. That said, um, there are a lot of vendors in our marketplace, and there are a lot of vendors lining up to come into our marketplace. Most of these vendors, Marv, they've got a sales contact form on their yes. website. And if I was an SMB and I was going to one of these vendors directly, I have to fill out a sales contact form and hope that somebody calls me back. Soon. <laughs> and guess what? If I'm, you know, a five-person company or a 10-person small business, eh, I'm pretty much, that lead is pretty much going to hit the floor, right? right. Yep. Um, so we see this as a, as a pretty big opportunity to be able to enable vendors with turnkey go-to-market motion for direct and indirect. What we're trying to do is combine that into a single solution for them and really bring all of that traffic into our ecosystem to power the growth of our MSP partners. Okay. Am I allowed to ask about the swipe right mentality? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what? It's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an easy... Um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, 
it's an easy way to describe what truly is a matchmaking, you know, capability. Okay. Um, you know, we're getting lots of interest from vendors that want to replace those sales contact forms with buy now buttons. And, you know, we want to acquire those customers and pull them into the marketplace so that we can present them to our partners. But we don't just want to like throw every prospect at a partner. We want to give our partners the capability of defining what kind of customers do they want. Retail, office, hybrid, remote working, interested in security, already have X, Y, or Z solution or product. Using that matchmaking capability, then we want to provide the swipe right, you know, to claim, you know, a prospect right. and have Pax8 manage the introduction okay. on their behalf. Now, a lot of this, uh, as I understand, is going to be partially data-driven, yes. AI-driven. Yes. I'm sure there's an algorithm somewhere in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that component sure. of it, because yeah. the AI integration into all of that, how does that truly work? Yeah, so there's a lot of telemetry that comes with um, these direct motion customers. There's a lot of telemetry and data that's associated with our partners in terms of where they operate geographically, what are their competencies, what solutions do they currently have right. in their portfolio. A lot of that matchmaking is ML that we're using to be able to present a prospect marketplace pool that gives our partners a healthy view of the most likely uh, customers that match their desires of, you know, what they'd like to see in a, in, a, in a most favorable type of customer. Now, one MSP actually asked me. Okay. So I'm going to ask them if you've been asked. Yeah. Does that data and AI have a slant towards a particular type of partner, size of partner, uh, and is that completely driven by the AI model? It is driven by the AI model. Okay. And, you know, we're trying to create a distribution within that, that matchmaking that really does stay true to what the partner wants, right? So we're doing this for our partners. We're doing this to eliminate the threat of product-led growth where customer acquisition happens outside of the MSP. So we call it market-led growth, and it's all about fair distribution of all of that uh, prospect pool. Okay, but the fair distribution, I think, is where they were asking me the question, Yeah, is what if I'm an MSP that's only, you know, a very small portfolio yeah. in the Pax8 marketplace? Yes. How does the playing field get leveled for me so that an MSP that's, you know, 10 times my size yeah. doesn't get those referrals more than I do? It's a great question. Um, I think we have work to do to develop the transparency so our partners understand the inbound flow of those prospects. But I think that, I think that what we're going to see is a tremendous amount of traffic in that prospect marketplace and um, a distribution model uh, that is fair in terms of being able to match competency, geography, uh, and you know, whether or not even the, the partner has room to scale up to take that customer. Okay. It's a fair answer. I appreciate it. I'm sure. glad, I'm glad yeah. you answered. 
Um, so now let's do this, since I've asked you a ton of questions, and I'm sure you've been getting them all day. Is there anything that stands out on your mind of either a question that was asked to you or a comment that was made that, you know, made you kind of step back and say, oh, interesting? Uh you know, I, I, I've gotten so many questions today, I, and they're all so good and so interesting. You know, I, I think the biggest one is, when can I get it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, in, in, I, overwhelmingly, I, I think the reception has been quite positive. Um, and this is not something that we did in the, in the dark, right? I mean, we, we certainly have um, a partner advisory council. We've we talked to partners, obviously, every day within our community. Uh, and so a lot of this, you know, we've solicited feedback very early on in terms of, you know, what we're thinking, what the vision um, was comprised of, and kind of the direction that we're going to take this. So, you know, I mean, I, I would just say, you know, I, a lot of the interesting questions weren't so interesting because they were kind of expected, <laughs> okay. right? right, in terms of, you know, when can I get it? Yeah. And the answer to that question is early access in the fall, full GA early next year. Okay. Uh, I think everybody's looking forward to that ah, and uh, really so want excited. to see how that rolls out, which obviously is going to make people want to step up their Pax 8 partnership. Ah. I had to admit that to Ryan earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get in the game here. Fantastic. Um, all right. So, of course, I've asked everybody that I've had over here, um, and it's probably going to be a little tougher on your side of the event, but what are your thoughts on how – the inaugural event has gone blown away. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I, uh, I think the energy has been fantastic. I think that the way that we've architected the content, the networking in the community building is just well balanced. Um, I think our biggest challenge is, you know, we got to grow this thing cause I think it's going to double in size next year. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I don't know that there's not enough room in the general assembly yeah. area. So. <laughs> Um, it's a good problem to have, I it guess. It is, it is. And I think that the excitement of people leaving here is going to make everybody that decided not to come yeah. because they were like, eh, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, they're going to want to come next year. Uh, I hope so. I so hope so. Hopefully, uh, it'll still be here, this place. This yes. place is phenomenal. I think so. And I think they can expand that room, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. All right. So any last thoughts? You are the last interview here oh, on no. Radio Row, and uh, you get to close it out. So. Oh, no. I, I, again, I, I, uh, I hope that everybody that attended Beyond had an amazing time. It certainly has been electric, electrifying. Uh, and I hope those that did not, they come to Beyond in 2024. All right. Well, I'm going to help pitch that. Hopefully you guys will have me back, uh, hopefully here on Radio Row, but definitely as an attendee nonetheless. So... Uh, Scott, thank you very much. Thanks, Marv. It was nice to meet you, and nice great to you. see you on stage and hear all the great uh, announcements, the roadmap, uh, the journey that not only continues but grows. Thank and, you. Uh, look forward to that. And ladies and gentlemen, that is going to close out the Pax 8 Beyond 2023. We'll be back for Pax 8 Beyond 2024. I believe registration will be open soon, and hope that you uh, get that ticket and join us here. And as I say that, the sun comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On cue. On cue. So uh, thank you all for listening and subscribing. And we'll be back with more shows on the IT Business Podcast. Check us out online. Check us out on the videos, YouTube, 
and the Facebook and LinkedIn. And we'll see you soon. Until then, holla.